Well, good morning. Welcome to Arise Baptist Church. I sure enjoyed getting to play the piano this morning and sing along with you. What great truth that we just sang about. What a great God we serve. And blessed be His name for all that He's done. Today, as we are here live online, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. What a great day this is to think about our Lord and Savior as He came into Jerusalem. His triumphal entry. All the people were gathered. They had their palm branches crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. They were excited that their King was coming. In the video that you just watched a, a second ago, I talked about how this week is a tremendous opportunity for us as believers to share our faith with as many people as possible. We won't be able to do it through our typical means of going out and, and visiting people that way, but that does not in any way take away our ability to be able to share and communicate God's truth any way that we have ability to. And I hope that you'll join me, as the video said, in taking a few minutes or a few seconds even to record your personal testimony of how you came to know Jesus Christ, how Jesus changed your life, and share that with others. And if you can, include those links that you should have in your email, or you should be able to even copy it off of your browser uh, from our YouTube page to be able to invite people next Sunday to our Easter service or even this coming Friday night to our Good Friday service. I'm looking forward to a great time, and I hope that you will do everything that you can to share the great message of Jesus Christ. Because Palm Sunday is a great day. It's a great day to celebrate, but Palm Sunday doesn't matter at all in comparison with what happened on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from the grave. He is not here, for He is risen. And that's what we're looking forward to. But as we know, as we go through the course of this week, first we come to the time when Jesus died. He died on the cross, not for His own sin, but for my sin and for your sin, and for the sins of the whole world. So let's be intentional this week. Let's be prayerful this week. Let's be looking for opportunities to share the gospel with others. And if I can help you in any way in doing that, that's what I'd like to do, because there are many people that need to hear about Jesus. And perhaps as they hear your testimony of how you came to Christ, as you share the scripture with them, they can be encouraged by that and be challenged. And the Holy Spirit would convict them and they would turn to Christ in salvation as well. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I have my Bible here. I hope you have your Bible there. It's important even as we're going through these very different times to be spending time in God's Word. I hope you're doing that every day. There's a number of us that are reading through the Bible together this year. If you're not doing that with us, I hope you're doing some other method of reading systematically, of studying the Word of God. Boy, this time really highlights in us the need to be personally in the Word of God. Back when I was in college, I was attending a Christian university, and so we had chapel services. We had the Bible being preached to us really every day in various ways. I was involved in all kinds of student activities and things, and we got to hear the gospel in so many different ways and hear the Bible preached in so many different ways. 
One of the things that happened, though, while I was a student is I had the opportunity to travel for a semester uh, representing the school and helping to recruit other students or potential students to come and visit the school. One of the things I found, though, that really happened in my life as I began traveling and representing the school and we were preaching and putting on dramatic uh, productions and music to churches and Christian schools around the country. One of the things I realized, though, that in a lot of ways, my spiritual life had become dependent upon all of the Bible teaching and all the Bible preaching I was getting on a daily basis when I was in college. And when I began to travel on the road and, and I was away from all that, and yes, I was still in church, yes, I was still in services, but I was the one having to do the preaching or I was the one presenting the Word of God, I realized that I felt like my own spiritual life began to just dry up. I realized that I'd used those uh, times of hearing the Word of God at school as sort of a spiritual crutch just to get myself through. While those weren't bad things, instead of relying on my own personal time with God's Word and growing in that to feed me and to nourish me and to help me grow, I'd begun to rely on these other outside inputs. Now, this is a, uh, it's a wonderful thing to have outside inputs and other spiritual helps in our life. But if we don't have a personal time with God's Word, times like this when we are out of our normal schedule, when we're not able to go and be at church on a regular basis in a, in a corporate sense, it can really highlight the need of our own personal relationship with God that we are developing through our own time of Bible study. And I hope that you're engaging in that ever more so as we continue to go through this crisis together. And may, when, when we get through the other side of this, may we still be faithful to walk in God's Word, to grow in God's Word, not to be so busy with the things of this life that we don't have time for the Word of God. So today, as we're in Colossians chapter 2, I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Shadows of Things to Come. And I think you'll see where that comes from as we get into this. Today being Palm Sunday... I think it's very interesting how this passage really lines up with some of the events that took place there when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey that day. You see, as Jesus rode in that day, many people followed Him. Many people cried out to Him. Many people were praising Him and crying, Hosanna to the King, which means deliver us or save us. They were crying out to Him, thinking He was coming to conquer the Romans and to give them freedom. But Jesus didn't come into Jerusalem that day to set up His earthly kingdom. Rather, Jesus was coming to Jerusalem that day in preparation for His death on the cross. Not to set up at that point His earthly kingdom, but rather to be able to establish His kingdom in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, if they would trust in Him for salvation. See, the people on Palm Sunday, they were looking at just a shadow of something that was to come. And this is something even today as believers, we can get caught up looking at shadows, looking at things that point to something else, that signify something else, but we miss the reality because we're caught up looking at shadows. So let's look at Colossians 2, beginning in verse 16. I want to read to you down through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Let no man, therefore, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day 
or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But, this is very important, the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body, by joints and bands having nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Why did more people follow Jesus on Palm Sunday than on Easter Sunday? Where did they all go? What happened to them? Yes, there were still a few that followed. But many had fallen away. Last week, as we looked at some of the preceding verses here in Colossians 2, we saw this big idea that Jesus Christ plus nothing equals salvation. Our salvation is complete in Him. But we'll see this this morning, that Jesus Christ plus nothing equals security in Him as well. We are secure in our faith, not because of all the things that we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And just as we are saved by grace through faith, so we must live by grace through faith following after the Lord. But he's challenging the believers here at the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 2, to not get their eyes on or allow themselves to be judged by just all of the outward things that they did, and rather to realize that they had everything that they needed in Christ. See, there are many people that want to follow after a shadow. Many people want to follow after a religion. Many people want to have a list made out for them and say, what do I need to do in order for God to be pleased with me, in order to have a right relationship with God? A right relationship with God starts with what God has done for me. And my obedience, my living for Him is out of response. It's not out of duty. It must be out of devotion to Him for what He has done. Duty is a great place to start, but it doesn't keep us. It is our devotion, our love for Him in response to His love for us that helps us to have the right relationship with Him. You see, the biggest problem that the people faced when Jesus was marching into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey, the biggest problem the people faced that day was not the Roman emperor. It was not the Caesar. It was not the leadership in the Roman army. Their biggest problem was sin. Just like our biggest problem today is not the economy or the coronavirus. Our biggest problem is sin. See, the people that day on Palm Sunday, they were trying to deal with their physical problem and get some relief, have the government that was oppressing them be overthrown. And many people today are looking for relief. 
People are, are filing their reports, filing their applications, trying to get some financial relief. People are going to the doctor. They are researching. They're trying to get some physical relief. And we need that kind of relief. But I want to challenge you with this thought this morning that physical relief, financial relief, won't bring eternal relief. The only answer is Jesus Christ. In Him, we have everything that we need. And I'm praying that we get the financial relief that we need. I'm praying that we see the physical answers to this disease. We ought to be praying towards that end. And God can answer those prayers. And I believe He will answer those prayers. But what we need more than a physical or financial answer, we need a spiritual answer today. Just like the people in, in Jerusalem that day on Palm Sunday needed a spiritual answer. They needed salvation, not from the Romans, but from their sin. And today we don't need salvation from the coronavirus. We need salvation from sin. I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 16 and 17, that my relationship with Christ is not based on what I do for Christ, but rather what He has done for me. You see that in uh, Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17? Let's see if we can pull these up here. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, in what you eat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Don't be judged by what you eat or what you drink. Notice verse 17. These are just a shadow, which are a shadow of things to come. Where is the body? He's speaking about the, the body that we have, the spiritual body, the church. The body is not made up of all the things we do. The body is made up of Christ. See, if we get caught up in the other things, those are just shadows. Those are things that point towards, that signify of. It's not that they're unimportant. But sometimes we get caught up with the shadows and we miss the reality. Somebody, this, this saying kind of helps describe this as well. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. Let us not miss Christ because we're caught up in the shadows of Christ. The Old Testament law that he's referring to here, the things that you eat, the things that you drink, the respect of Holy Day, keeping the Ten Commandments, these were all important things. But these things in and of themselves is not where the hope was found. The hope was found in Christ. My relationship with Christ is not based solely on what I do for Christ, but rather on what He has done for me. Now, I want to caution you because before you get the idea that it doesn't matter then what I do, I can just live however I want because it's all in Christ. That's not what he's teaching here at all. You need to make sure that you come next Sunday and listen to the next message because in Christ we have freedom. Yes. Notice verse 1 of chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. 
Let us seek those things that are above, not the things of this world, but rather the things of Him. This is speaking of holy living. This is speaking of living a life that is pleasing to God in obedience to Him. It doesn't mean I get to just do whatever I want. But rather, I can live for Christ and know that I have everything that I need in Him. Because my condemnation will not come because... Well, I just can't keep all of the law because I can't. Because in Christ, I have everything that I need. One commentator said it this way, Why regard as indispensable ordinances as to eating when the one foreshadowed by Israel's manna is offering himself as the bread of life? How can the observance of the Passover like it talks about in Exodus 12, be considered a means unto spiritual perfection when our Passover has been sacrificed, even Christ. You see, the people here in this church, they were saying, well, as long as we follow through with the Passover, as long as we eat bread a certain way, as long as we today take the Lord's Supper, as long as I've been baptized, as long as I go to church, as long as I do this and do that and do the other thing, then I have everything that I need. No, everything that we need is found in Christ. These other things are just a, a response of obedience to what He has already done for us. What justification could there be for imposing upon converts from the Gentile world the observance of the Jewish Sabbath when the bringer of eternal rest is urging everyone to come unto Him? He says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and find rest for your souls. To be sure, for the time being, a shadow that is cast by an approaching person may prove to be of some real value. For example, it is possible that one is eagerly expecting this person, but happens to be so situated that at his approach, for a moment, his shadow alone is seen. However, that shadow not only guarantees the imminent arrival of the one who is being anticipated, it even provides a, a dim outline describing him. Thus, too, the Old Testament regulations serve a real purpose. But now that Christ and salvation in Him had arrived, what further use could such shadows serve? We can learn about Christ from them. But in keeping the Old Testament law, that's not how we get to Christ. We have everything that we have and everything that we need in Him. If we trust in anything else, we are denying the all-sufficiency and preeminence of Christ in everything and for everything. This was the basic error. This was the problem that these people had. So first of all, our relationship, my relationship with Christ, it's not based in what I do for Christ, but rather what Christ has done for me. In other words, I don't get to dictate to God what I do for you, and because I've done all this for you, God, you have to accept me. But rather, I have to come to God humbly and say, God, you've done this for me. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin. I am a sinner. I can't earn my way out of it by observing ordinances or anything else. I have to commit my life to Christ in Him. That's true for salvation, but it's also true for Christian living for every single day that we live. 
Let us not get caught up chasing after shadows and say, well, I'm okay, but God, I did this, I did that, I checked, checked all the boxes. Don't check all the boxes and miss Christ and what He has done for you. Come to Him in humility, confessing your sins, being honest of who you are in your sin and, and your struggle and your wickedness. Instead of trying to change everyone else to conform to you and say, well, look what I've done. Instead say, God, forgive me for what I've done. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you. Secondly, we see in the next couple of verses here that my relationship with Christ does not grow through angel worship, seeing visions, or false humility, but rather growing along with the body of Christ. I want you to notice in verses 18 and 19, it says here, Let no man beguile you. Don't, don't be deceived or have your reward taken away, beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. He's talking about people who would come into a church and pretend to be very spiritual. I mean, they know how to pray. They know all the right words to say. They dress in the right kind of clothes. They know all the songs to sing. They're even involved in serving around the church. But this is just an outward show. This is not coming from a true heart that's been changed. May we be careful that our outward appearance is coming out of a pure heart of a desire to serve Jesus Christ. Rather than having an outward appearance that says, well, as long as my outside looks good, then I'm okay. No, the outside ought to be a representation of what's happened on the inside. It's not saying that the outside doesn't matter, but rather that the outside ought to be a reflection of what's going on on the inside. He says there's this uh, voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, people that think, well, we know we serve Christ, but I've actually discovered something even greater. I can worship this angel. Now you say, well, that doesn't sound like something that we're dealing with today as much. Maybe not in our church, but I read things all the time. People are so caught up in this angel told them to do this, or they saw this vision, and, and this is where they got this direction to do this, and they make all kinds of decisions about things that are not clearly taught in the Word of God. He continues on here. He says, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Don't follow after those things that you have not seen. Follow after the Word of God that we can see. So many people build their belief systems off of what someone has told them or some vision that somebody had. Sounds like many of the false religions today. Something that someone else said, well, if you had this kind of relationship with God that I do, this voluntary humility, then you'd be able to see these things that I can see. Folks, we don't need to trust in that kind of stuff for spiritual growth. Rather, our spiritual growth, everything that we need is found in Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, in the Word of God, we have all the truth that God has for us that we need to be able to live for Him. I don't need to add angels on top of this. Are angels taught about in the Word of God? Absolutely. But I don't need to take extra biblical things that aren't taught in the Word of God and somehow say, well, now I can have a better relationship with God. 
I don't need some sort of extra vision from God that isn't already found in His Word to give me some special ability to have a relationship with God. Everything that I need is contained right here in this book. Praise the Lord for the Word of God and the sufficiency of the Scriptures and the sufficiency, the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He keeps going here. He says, "...intruding into those things which he hath not seen." vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Why is he puffed up? Because, well, look what I discovered. I I discovered some higher knowledge. I had this vision or I have some intimate relationship with God that you can't have because I've seen something that you can't see. Folks, that's false teaching. That's what was leading the Colossians away and that's the same kind of false teaching that leads people away today to think that they can find something about God or to have some kind of relationship with God that is outside the clear teaching of the Word of God. Notice he gives the contrast in verse 19. He says, "...and holding and not holding the head." Who's the head? That's Jesus Christ. "...not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God." So our spiritual growth is not dependent on visions. It's not dependent on the worship of angels. It's not dependent on some sort of false humility, something that makes us feel good and puffed up. Rather, our spiritual growth is dependent upon the head, on Jesus Christ. Just like the human head has the pituitary gland located inside of it that sends out the hormones and information that the body needs to tell it to grow physically. So our spiritual head, Jesus Christ, is what gives us the direction and gives us the answers from His Word to be able to grow spiritually. And then he speaks about how this body then nourishes and ministers together and it's knit together. That's the body of Christ. That's the church. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that even though we're not all gathered in this room here today, I'm here pretty much by myself. Got a few folks helping to make this video possible. But most of you are scattered all over the place. And yet even in being scattered around this past week, we've had people take meals to those who are sick. We've had people make phone calls and encourage those who were hurting. We've had people who've given financially to be able to help others. We have people praying for one another. We have people checking on one another. We have people taking groceries to one another. We have people giving sacrificially so we can support our missionaries who are in turn ministering sacrificially to reach the lost all around the world. We have people this week who have shared the gospel with others. We have a church that's functioning as a church even though we can't all be together in this building. And that is a blessing. That's the body being knit together, each joint working together and ministering up to and being ministered to by the head, Jesus Christ. Notice as he, notice as he finishes verse 19, he says, "...increaseth with the increase of God." Our spiritual growth comes from our relationship with God and what God gives to us, the nourishment that He gives us, from His Word and His Holy Spirit as He works in us and as a church as we minister one to each other and minister together with Christ as our head, that is where spiritual growth happens. That is where true relationship with God and other believers, the body of Christ, 
happens. It happens with Christ as our head and God nourishing us, giving everything that we need from the Word of God. It doesn't happen through some outside source. It doesn't happen any other place. It happens through the church as we worship Christ together and we serve Him and one another. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And yet many people are looking for nourishment someplace else. Just like the people on Palm Sunday were looking to Jesus to bring some sort of physical salvation, they missed the fact that the salvation He was bringing them was a spiritual one that could give them not just physical life, would give them eternal life. Don't get caught up just looking at the shadows. Let's focus on the real thing. Oh, sometimes even spiritually, we get, even as Christians, we get lost in the shadows. We say, well, I want to follow after this great teacher or I want to follow after this special knowledge that I got from reading this other book. There may be helpful things, but folks, what we need is found in the Word of God. It's all found in Jesus Christ. People look outside of the church for relationship. True fellowship happens in the body of Christ when we worship God together, when Christ is our head. Oh, people are looking for connection, for relationship, for hope, for answers, and they'll search everywhere for it and miss the one place that it's found in Christ, part of His body, the local church, serving Him together. What a blessing it is to be a part of this body, and I hope that you are part of the body of Christ. I hope you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you haven't, it's not too late. You can do it right now before it is too late. The increase comes from God. The body grows together as it works together in obedience to the Word of God by the power of God following the head who is Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice thirdly this morning, verses 20 through 23, this truth that your relationship with God grows not by following the doctrines of men. It doesn't grow through following the teachings of men, but rather by following Jesus Christ. Verse 20 says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, in other words, the, the things of this world are not going to bring you life. They may bring momentary happiness. They may make you feel better about yourself. You know, some, some positive encouragement, some metaphorical pats on the back. But we're with Christ now. The rudiments of the world don't bring happiness, don't bring true satisfaction. He says, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? So if you're in Christ, if you're dead to the things of this world in Christ, then don't live for the things of this world. Don't think that by following the teachings of this world, you're going to find the happiness and satisfaction that you crave. It's only found in Christ. He carries on, verse 21 touch not, taste not, handle not. He's kind of just generalizing and summarizing all the various laws and all the various things that they would follow as Jews. All right, don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't handle this. Do all these things and you'll be okay. The Christian life is not just a list of do's and don'ts. I hope you know that by now. 
And if you don't, let me help you understand. That's what he's teaching right here. It's not just, well, I didn't do this and I did that and I, I, I did all these things I was supposed to do, so therefore I'm going to grow. No, our, our relationship with God grows by following Jesus Christ. Verse 22, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. We're going to come back to that phrase because that's where a lot of this problem lies. We often would rather follow the teachings of men. People today are looking for what some man could tell them and some person could tell them, do this, do that, that'll bring you happiness. Here's the ten keys to success. I don't want to read my Bible. I want someone else to just tell me, here's how to have happiness. Folks, it's found in Christ. Verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship. In other words, they, they look good. They, they look like they'll bring some happiness, some fulfillment. These people may even have a sense of humility about them. Oh, I, I don't want to try to control your life, but let me just tell you, here's how to find happiness. Here's how to find joy. Here's how to find satisfaction. Folks, the only way to find those things are in Jesus Christ. And he says, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Some people were even giving up physical comforts. The idea of, if I go live in a cave somewhere, I can get closer to God. The idea that if we just pick up our kids and go move out in the country, that, that's how we'll find spiritual peace and happiness. Here's the problem. There's still sin in the country, just like there's sin in the city. The answer is not quarantining yourself from this world, but rather to live in this world so full of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live faithfully for God. It's not about all the things we've given up. It's about all the things that we've gained in Christ. We've gained forgiveness. We've been given hope, a future, an eternal home in heaven. We've been given a reason to live. We've been made a child of the King. We now have a Heavenly Father who loves and cares for us. We have an intercessor, one that we can pray to. And pray in the name of Jesus, asking Him to work on our behalf. And He can and He will because He's God. So why did more people follow Jesus on Palm Sunday than on Easter Sunday? Well, people love to follow after the doctrines, the teachings of men. They love to follow after what someone else will tell them. And they'll chase after that. They'll say, well, maybe like those people that day, Jesus, He's coming in. Maybe this is it. He just brought Lazarus back from the dead. When you read about this in the book of John, it talks about in John chapter 12 how the news had spread that Jesus had brought back Lazarus from the dead. I mean, who wouldn't want this to be your king? He can bring dead people back to life. He can feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a, a few fish. I mean... He can heal sick people. He can heal people that are blind. He can give them their sight. He can make lame people to walk again. How does He do all these things? He must be the one. He must be the Messiah. 
And he was. But yet they wanted him for what he could give them physically. They weren't so interested in what he could do spiritually. Because the difference is to acknowledge that he came to save them from their sins meant that they would have to admit that they were sinners. A lot of people love Jesus for what he can give them physically, but they don't want the spiritual part because they don't want to admit that they are sinners. You see, to be saved, you must first admit that you're a sinner. If you won't even acknowledge the fact that you have done wrong and because of your sin, you deserve eternal death in hell and that is where you are going but for Christ, then there's no salvation. Salvation isn't just, well, you know, I know I've done some bad things, but look, I, I'm trying to follow Jesus and I've done all this good stuff now. I'm okay. No, it begins by admitting you're not okay. You're a sinner. I wrote a few ideas here in closing I'd like to share with you about why more people follow Jesus on Palm Sunday than on Resurrection Sunday. I think, first of all, many people want to answer to physical problems more than to spiritual problems. Changing, number two, changing physical problems usually means changing something that is outside of me. Whereas changing spiritually means changing what is inside of me. And I can't change what is inside of me. Only God can change what's inside of me. Only God can take something that is dead and bring it back to life. And that's what happens when we get saved. He takes something that's spiritually dead. Ephesians 2 says that. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He takes something that was spiritually dead and he makes it alive. I can't do that. Only Christ can do that. If you'll accept His gift of salvation today, you can be saved. Have you accepted that gift? Why did more people follow Jesus on Palm Sunday than on Resurrection Sunday? Well, I think, thirdly, changing what is outside of me sometimes means that, well, it's not really my fault. You know, I, I was just in a bad situation. Something was done to me that was outside of my control. I can blame someone else for my problem, whereas changing what is inside of me means that it is my fault and I'm to blame. If you're a Christian today, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, why are you following after Jesus? Is it because of all the stuff He's going to give you physically? Well, He promised to bless us, give us hope and the future. And, you know, He's going to provide money for me when I, when I don't have money. And he's going to heal me when I'm sick. Folks, don't just follow after Jesus just to take care of your flesh. Follow after Jesus because we need eternal life and salvation. And a relationship with Him is what changes us to make us more useful for Him. Think about this. Why would somebody give up a life of comfort an opportunity to earn lots of money and do lots of things to travel around the world to tell lost people who could care less about the gospel. What would motivate them to do something like that? There's a man you've probably, some of you have probably heard his story. A young man, many years ago, his name was William Borden. 
William Borden was the son of the people who started the Borden company that still sells milk today. When he was a young man, he came to Christ and trusted in God as his Savior. And God worked in his heart. He wanted to go around the world to tell lost people about Jesus. Somebody asked him, why would you do this? Why would you give up this comfortable life, this opportunity to have a great business? I mean, you could give a lot of money. You could do a lot of good stuff from that position. William Borden said it very simply. He said, I have no regrets in following after Jesus. Later on, it wasn't much longer after that, he was in school and he was getting ready to go to the mission field and he knew that he was going to give up a lot of money by going but he decided to go anyway and he wrote a wrote a letter and said I'm not going to return I'm going over there to give my life for Christ wasn't long after he traveled to go tell lost people about Jesus in a place where people were not receptive to the gospel. He got very sick and he was near death. In fact, later he did die as a young man. I think it was before he was even 30 years old. He wrote that he was never going to retreat. He was never going to stop serving God. What would motivate him to do this? It wasn't because of all the physical stuff that Jesus could give him on the outside. It was because he knew he had everything he needed in Christ. And he wanted to take that message of hope. Not so that poor people could just get more food, even though they need food. Not just so that sick people could get physical healing, even though people need physical healing, and don't we see that today? But so that people could get the spiritual answers to their deepest need of sin. You see, changing what I do on the outside is something that usually I can control, but changing what I am on the inside is something I must submit to God and allow Him to control. I think there's one final reason, maybe you can think of more, but one that I was thinking about when it comes to why people follow after the shadows, like we see here in Colossians 2, why people would rather follow after the doctrine of men or, or puffing themselves up or somehow taking care of themselves physically rather than follow after Christ, why many people follow Jesus on Palm Sunday but far fewer on Easter Sunday. It's because change on the outside is often more visible. And it brings the admiration, perhaps sometimes even judgment of others. But change on the inside is not always immediately visible to others. And I don't get the same satisfaction of getting the approval of everybody else. It's like if you 
decide, well, I'm going to start working out, I'm going to get in shape, people generally enjoy the compliments that they get. Have you lost weight? You seem to look stronger. Hey, you're looking really good. We enjoy those kind of compliments. But when we choose to follow Christ, it will result in outward change. But when it begins in the heart, people aren't always quite so ready to compliment. Well, you just seem a lot less proud, a lot more humble. I've noticed that you're not losing your temper quite so much that you're walking with God. Or sometimes the flip side is true. We, we're trying to follow after God, doing the best that we know how, walking with God. We're growing in Him. We're learning His Word. And then we fail. We mess up. We say something we shouldn't say. We act in a way that we shouldn't behave. And people look at us and say, See, I, I can tell you nothing's different. See, your outside hasn't changed. Folks, if we're going to find change, if we're going to grow, if we're going to be the kind of people that we need to be, let's not just chase after the shadows of this world. Let us strive to follow Christ and find everything that we need in Him. Father, I pray that You'd help us. Help us to find what we need in You. You've given it to us right here in Your Word. May we read it, study it, meditate upon it, and obey it. Lord, there may be somebody who's listening to this right now. And they've been caught up doing all the stuff they thought they were supposed to do. This is the way I've always thought it is. This is what I've always believed. Maybe they say something like, well, I'm just doing what I was told. But Lord, may each one of us commit to studying your word and living it out in obedience, following after Christ. Not just the teachings of men, not some, some vision that somebody else had, not some false idea of who God is and what he, what he does for us, but rather digging deep into the word of God and living it out. Lord, we know this will not be easy. This can only be done in your strength. Lord, it's one thing to look to Jesus and say, well, He's going to come in and wipe out all the enemies and it's going to make my life easier. It's another thing to see Jesus and say, He came not to just fight all the battles of mine in this world, but rather to fight the battle for my heart. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never trusted in you as their Savior, I pray that they would be saved today, that they would trust in you, call upon you for salvation. Lord, for those who know you as their Savior, may they not go right back to living like the world and for the things of this world. Instead, Lord, work in their hearts, convict them of their need to change and their desire to follow after you with everything that they have. Lord, may we even this week be a great lighthouse in this dark world to share the gospel through a personal testimony, through an invitation, through a word of scripture, through any means that you put at our disposal. May we share the truth of Jesus Christ wherever we go. 
Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for how you're providing. Thank you for how you're encouraging others through this church. And Lord, may we not get full of ourselves. But rather find our fullness in you. Find our hope and find answers for what we need in Christ. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. Thank you for giving us everything that we need. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning and paying attention. And I hope this service has been a challenge to you and a help. If you have any questions, please contact us. We'd love to help you. If you'd like to know more about how to have a personal relationship with Christ, please contact us here at the church. The greatest thing in all the world would be if you were to trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior. If you know Christ, would you share Him with somebody else? So many people caught up living for just the things of this world. They don't know Christ. They know about Him. They think He's going to maybe heal Him. And they honestly probably don't even really trust in Him because He doesn't seem to take away disease. There's still problems. There's still difficulties in the world. And they miss the fact that He didn't come to take all those away. He came to bring salvation and eternal life. Hope you'll take some time this week to meditate on what He's done for you and then take some time to share that message with others. If God has encouraged your heart this morning and if you'd like to be a blessing to our church, if you'd like to give to the Lord, we'd invite you to give. We have ways set up. You can, of course, mail in your tithe. You can bring it by the office. You can do our online giving, text to give. There are many ways to do that. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. This week, as I mentioned in the message, we've been able to help some families financially and we're looking forward to being able to do some more of that. We've been able to help some people physically with needs. And I'm thankful that God's allowed us as a church to do that. So far, we have had all of our needs met. Things are tight for us like they will be for everybody else. And we're trusting God, just like I hope you are. God is good all the time. And we can trust in Him to provide for our needs. I hope that you're trusting in Him to provide for your needs. I hope you'll take this message maybe and share it out with somebody else who it might be an encouragement to, a help to today. And then invite somebody. Join us Friday night. That'll be a little extra time, a different time. We'll have our regular Wednesday night Bible study. But then Friday evening, 7 o'clock, join us for a short service as we contemplate the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll sing some songs about the cross and about His blood that was shed for our sin. We'll have a short brief Bible message from the Word of God. This will be something to email or, or send a text or invite somebody else to. And then next Sunday morning as we celebrate our risen Savior. It's going to be a great day. Even though we may not be here in person, it's going to be a great day to worship God. And I'm looking forward to it. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week. I'm praying for you. I love you, and if I can do anything to help you, please let us know. We have a whole church. It's not just me. We have a whole church of people, a whole body that's ready to serve and to minister to others. Take care. God bless.